For years, I just dreaded going to the dentist. But at Advanced Dentistry, I don't have to. First and foremost, they want you to feel comfortable when you walk in, like, you'll feel it. Whereas in the past, I might have gone into the dentist and thinking, I might feel some pain at some point. But with IV sedation, it can be something that you don't dread. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, you're not alone. Visit NoFearDentist.com to learn how IV sedation can change your life. As a historian, I rely on facts to understand and analyze the bigger story. I look at the evidence, hear the arguments, and make a determination. We rely on our government to do the same. We rely on the government to tell the truth, to give us the real story. But we've learned over the past few decades that government officials sometimes hide important facts from American citizens. When I was a graduate student, I was writing a book about the investigations of the intelligence community after Watergate, which meant that I needed to interview a number of senators, journalists, and spies who were still alive. Most of them were surprisingly willing to talk to me, even two former heads of the CIA. To each interview, I brought a list of questions and a tape recorder. I would begin each interview by asking if I could record the conversations, and they all agreed. I learned quickly that the best conversations often happened near the end, when I turned off the tape recorder. The person I was interviewing would say something like, now that that thing is off, let me tell you something. And sometimes, they would tell me a conspiracy theory. These had been some of the most powerful men in the country. Off the record, some told me they believed that the CIA had secretly sabotaged a U.S. senator's career. Some agents told me they were absolutely sure that other spies had deliberately leaked disparaging information about the CIA or the FBI or their rivals within the agency for selfish or possibly treasonous motives. None of this made it into my book. It was all said in confidence. In any way, none of it could be proven. But it did get me interested in studying conspiracy theories because I realized that there are real conspiracies in the government and that the official story doesn't always mean the real story and that the paranoid style in American politics, as Richard Hofstetter called it, is not confined to the fringe. I'm Catherine Olmsted, and this is State of Conspiracy. Today, I'm joined by Princeton professor Kevin Cruz to discuss the decline in trust in government since the 1960s and how the assassination of JFK, Watergate, and the Vietnam War, among other events, contributed to the rise of conspiracy theories and changed American politics. Welcome, Kevin Cruz. Um, As you know... There has been a dramatic decline in Americans' faith in their government over the last uh, 40 to 50 years. And uh, the Pew Research Center has has an index of Americans' trust in government. And it's quite alarming to look at their graph because you can see how there was this plummeting trust beginning in the the Johnson administration. Can you help us understand that? What are some of the events that caused the, the decline in trust in government? There's a rapid series of events that really uh, serve as kind of a body blow to Americans' general trust in their government. And and as you noted, it really does begin uh, in the mid-60s. And the first big blow is Vietnam, and not just in a sense of this is a war, it doesn't seem to have a clear defined purpose, it doesn't seem to have uh, an end in sight, it seems to be getting worse year after year, Uh, but also as time goes on that it was flawed from the start. And this comes out with the release of the Pentagon Papers. And it 
reveals a series of uh, mistaken assumptions and outright lies done by American policymakers. That comes about in 1971. Right after that, you've got Richard Nixon and Watergate, uh, which shows corruption at the highest levels uh, of politics. Uh, and then the final blow, I would argue, would be something not really uh, a scandal, but really just a, a sense that government can't do it. Uh, and this happens really with the Carter administration. Carter inherited, again, reaching back to Vietnam, a series of economic crises that had uh, crippled the economy. And it, uh, by the late 70s, America's suffering under stagflation, uh, which seems to blow up the old economic models, which held that you can either have a stagnant economy or inflation. You can't have both at the same time. Carter has this and seems to have no way out. Uh, he seems to be totally ineffective. So there's a sense that the government is either lying to you, is crooked, or just simply can't get things done. And all that leads to a, a general lack of trust in what government can do and what government will do. Do you think to some degree there are some actors in American political life who are deliberately trying to delegitimize American institutions and cause the erosion of faith in government? Absolutely. So there are, uh, first of all, there, there are politicians who, as Washington seems to start to fumble, start to promote their own identity as outsiders. Uh, and we first see this uh, with people like Ronald Reagan, governor of California, Jimmy Carter, governor of, of Georgia, who try to say that, look, everything in Washington is a mess. We need an outsider to come in and clean it up. And it takes it as a given that everything in Washington is corrupt or broken or incompetent. You need someone from the outside to come uh, clean it up. That starts uh, a lot of this um, uh, inside the politics. There are, though, more and more people um, from across the political spectrum who really start to attack American institutions. And we have to remember in the 60s, this comes uh, not just from the right as we might think of it as happening today, where there's this kind of you know, this talk of the deep state and all this other stuff, this distrust of the government. A lot of this really happens from the left. You get the new left, mm -hmm. you get black power groups who are really complaining about the establishment of the 60s, which is the liberal establishment. And they're attacking it from the left. Others are attacking it from the right. Uh, and together, it really serves to uh, weaken uh, the sense that the government is there to work for everyone. Right. The liberals can't win because they're getting it from both sides. That's right. Let's let's talk a little bit about the revelation of real government conspiracies that led to an increase in anti-government conspiracy theories. You mentioned the, the Pentagon Papers. I think Nixon's response to the Pentagon Papers is particularly interesting because he sees himself as the victim of a conspiracy. Yeah. I mean, he could have just let the Pentagon Papers go. They were about the Johnson administration, so why should he worry about it? But he begins to see himself as the victim of this conspiracy by leakers that are not just leaking historical information, but are trying to destroy his presidency. That's right. That's right. But also, as you note, he was worried that this was members of his own administration who were leaking secrets. And if this secret gets leaked out, what about all the others? Right. So there's there's that worry. Uh, there are other big government scandals which which crop up here. You've got the exposure of the COINTEL programs in which uh, the FBI is targeting uh, new left and black power groups. So suddenly you've seen that uh, the Pentagon was lying, the FBI is doing dirty tricks, the CIA is uh, fueling assassinations and things like this across the world. And it's a sense that the government itself is conspiratorial. Uh, is doing things that, that they're not telling us about. And this is then, of course, fueled by not just politics, but pop culture picks up on this. The 70s are uh, a period in which you've got this great wave of, uh, of conspiracy thrillers and paranoia, The Parallax View or Three Days of the Condor, things like that. Really popular movies that uh, drive the sense that the government is nefarious. 
And the church committee and the other committees revealed that, that the government really was up to some what in retrospect seem absolutely crazy activities, like working with the mafia to try and kill Fidel Castro. And the Castro stuff itself is right. is, is amazing. Yeah, what was it called? <laughs> Operation Mongoose and all these things they were going to do. They were going to lace his uh, scuba suit with LSD to drive him crazy. They we're going to put a powder in his shoes to make his beard fall out so he wouldn't see macho to, to Cubans. I mean, it's uh, exploding cigars. I mean, it's like stuff out of a Bugs Bunny cartoon. And once you realize that the CIA is actually engaged in this, you get a sense of it's almost uh, cartoonishly villain-like. Uh, it, it really does uh, kind of blow people's minds. And also, I think that some of the revelations really make Americans feel like they personally could be victims of these conspiracies. The church committee reveals that the CIA was testing LSD on random Americans right. in bars. Right. Right. And uh, with COINTELPRO and the CIA's Operation Chaos, they were collecting files on tens of thousands of people who did nothing more than go to an anti-war rally. And right. so... Right. In that environment, they say, wow, this is something that, that happened to ordinary people and could happen to me. That's right. And so that's a really important term from, again, Watergate is, you know, it was, was an attack on democracy, but it seemed to involve kind of high-level political players, right? Uh, these other scandals show that anything is fair game, anyone is fair game, and, and gives uh, uh, ordinary Americans a, a real cause for alarm. Let's talk also about the assassinations of American leaders. They're starting with the JFK assassination in 1963, and then there's the uh, Robert Kennedy assassination, the Martin Luther King assassination. There's also the assassination of, of Malcolm X. How do you think those killings contribute to the growth of American conspiracy theories? I think the aggregate effect of this is a sense that nothing is predictable, nothing is safe. So there's a there's a wave of violence that targets the left and the right. And a lot of ways, I think it pierces that assumption that politics will be placid, right? And of course, it had never been that way. We'd had assassinations uh, in the past. But it was a sense that that, that was an older age. Uh, we've, we've gotten past that. Uh, but the 60s and early 70s really does bring the sense of, of just total chaos, that anything can happen. And also, there are now recorded images, sometimes audio, of the assassinations, and, and people feel like, oh, well, I can be a detective. I can research yeah. this myself. Sure, yeah. I mean, the the, the famous Zapruder film from the JFK assassination, endlessly mm -hmm. poured over, more and more as time comes. And I think that, that is an important point. You know, we didn't have that with the Lincoln assassination or Garfield or any of the others. Uh, but you have this video, uh, grainy and incomplete as it might be, but it, it, it lets people try to source out, uh, assess out what's going on with the assassination. And it, it gets them involved, that it's not that you're going to now trust the authorities. And remember, the, the Warren Commission, this is the chief justice of the Supreme Court, several prominent figures of, of government from both parties come together on this commission to dispel these conspiracies. And in the end, they fail to do that and in doing so make it seem like they might be complicit as well. So there's a kind of a spiral effect here. Once uh, people start to believe in these conspiracy theories, nothing can put out the fire. And Lyndon Johnson himself told several people that he actually believed in a conspiracy theory. He thought that Castro had, had killed Kennedy. I don't know how sincere he was about that, but he certainly had his own doubts about his own commission. And that's the problem is that there is that it's not just there's one conspiracy theory; it opens itself up to multiple ones. The left did it, the right did it. Everyone's got a suspect, and you can cobble together bits of cherry-picked evidence to try to to push that argument and ignore the rest. But uh, but everyone can find a conspiracy if they squint hard enough. Right, one that that fits their own uh, ideological predispositions. So if yeah. you're on the right, you say, "Oh, it must be communist." If you're on the left, you say, "Oh, it must be the CIA." 
Right. A conspiracy can only be really, uh, I guess, dispelled if you've provided the complete and full transparency. And a government, uh, our government or any other, will never do that, right? Uh, right. There are going to be certain things that for various reasons <laughs> right. that you would keep certain bits of evidence from coming to light. But once you're hiding something, uh, then the question is, well, what else? What else are they hiding, right? Right. And sometimes government attempts to attack conspiracy theories and conspiracy theorists can have the opposite effect that they're aiming for. So, for example, in the late 1960s, the CIA wrote this memo about conspiracy theories about the Kennedy assassination, the John Kennedy assassination, and how they were really endangering American institutions and they were endangering American democracy and that the CIA should do everything that it could to combat these conspiracy theories. Well, that memo was then released as part of a Freedom of Information Act request, and its effect was to confirm for many conspiracy theorists the CIA's role in the Kennedy assassination, right. or else why else would the CIA be so concerned right. about conspiracy theories? Yeah. It's an older pattern than, than even that. You think about, you know, um, when these charges that the federal government is infiltrated with agents of the Soviet Union. And so what does Truman do? He, he issues the Federal Loyalty Security Program, and he thinks that this is going to solve the problem. Okay, people are worried that people in the federal government aren't, aren't loyal. Uh, we'll have this um, new loyalty oath program, and that'll solve it. All that does, though, for the public at large is seem to confirm that, well, there must have been a real problem if President Truman stepped step forward and had this loyalty program. So addressing these things sometimes only throws fuel in the fire. Crooked Minis is brought to you by Everlane. Would you buy a T-shirt for $50 if you knew it only cost $7 to make? I hope not. I think we all probably have. Yep. We wouldn't, is what the copy says. <laughs> with, Everlane, with, e- with Everlane, you never overpay for quality clothes. Everlane only makes premium essentials using the finest materials without traditional markups. They want you to know what you're paying for and why. So they tell you their real costs and are radically transparent about every step in the process, from the materials they use to the ethical factories they work with. No matter your style or preference, Everlane's clothes look better, cost less, and last longer because Everlane sells directly to you. Their prices are 30 to 50% lower than traditional retailers. Essentials like their Cotton Crew t-shirt are exactly what they should be. Versatile, simple, stylish, and made from quality materials. Checks all the boxes. The products are great. Grade A cashmere. Mm. Quality cotton basics. Sustainable silks. Premium Japanese denim made at the world's cleanest (laughs) denim factory. Italian made leather shoes. Outerwear made from recycled water bottles. And perfectly fitting Oxford shirts. Right now, you can check out our own personalized collection at everlane.com slash crooked minis. Plus, you'll get free shipping on your first order. That's everlane.com slash crooked minis. Everlane.com slash crooked minis. Minis. Crooked Minis is also brought to you by Simply Safe. On average, a burglary happens once every 23 seconds in the U.S., according Oof. to the FBI. Uh, they're fake news. Yeah, fake news. <laughs> Approximately 2 million burglaries are reported a year in the U.S. Census if it happens this year. 83% of burglars admitted. Remember that crisis? Oh, yeah, there was a wow. census. Thing. Almost didn't do a census. Man. 83% of burglars admitted that they specifically looked to see if there's an alarm. Well, who are the 17% of these idiots that don't? 20 out of every 1,000 households were burglarized in 2017. One in five homes has home security. How crazy is that? Crazy, because most companies don't make it easy. The prices are fair. They're honest. You get around-the-clock monitoring for just $15 a month. What a steal, ironically. (laughs) 
<laughs> but the one thing that truly makes the one steel simply safe can't stop. Thanks for dropping ironically in there. It's the one thing that truly makes simply safe stand out is their video verification technology. You've heard us talk about this. This is when they Skype your burglar basically so they know there's a bad person there. Then they send the cops using that video verification technology and they confirm the break in faster, allowing police to get to the scene 3.5 times faster than other home security companies. That's important if you're being burgled. Simply Safe is a huge deal going on right now. Go to simplysafe.com slash crooked minis and get a free shipping and money back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com slash crooked minis today. Simplysafe.com slash crooked minis. Crooked Minis is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp. Is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals besides burglars? BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. Get help on your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. BetterHelp's licensed professional counselors are specialized in the following. Depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, sleeping, trauma, and self-esteem. Anything you share is confidential. If you're not happy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time. No additional charge. This is not a crisis line. BetterHelp has 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states with four communications modes, text, chat, phone, and video. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. Financial aid is available for those who qualify. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. Crooked Minis listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code CROOKEDMINIS. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash crooked minis. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash crooked minis. Crooked minis is brought to you by Credo Mobile. Do you stand for women's rights and for the environment? Of course I do. There's a phone company that stands with you, Credo Mobile. Credo is the only phone company in America that supports the same causes you do. Causes like fighting to stop climate change, protecting reproductive freedom, and standing for immigrant rights. In fact, Credo donates 150000 every month to groups like Rainforest Action Network, Planned Parenthood, <laughs> and many more. Credo is just as opposed as you, as you are to Donald Trump's agenda. And those other phone companies, they're cozying up to Trump, spending billions to push through mega mergers and funding right-wing politicians. You make choices every day about where to spend your money. Shouldn't your mobile phone be one of those choices? Switch to Credo Mobile now, and you'll get a year of Ben & Jerry's ice cream on us. You'll get coverage on the nation's best and most awarded 4G LTE network, along with low rates and a complete selection of smartphones, including the latest models from the top brands ready to switch. Just enter the code <laughs> MINI at checkout or go to credo.com slash M-I-N. N-I, that's credo.com slash mini. Ready for an amazing deal? BreezeLine's fiber-powered internet starting at $19.99 per month offers the reliability you deserve and security you can trust. Whether you're streaming, gaming, or working from home, we've got all your needs covered with speeds up to 1 gig and our two-year price lock guarantee. This deal gets even better with two free months of internet, free equipment, and free Wi-Fi your way to protect against cyber threats. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires July 8, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. In your most recent book, Fault Lines, you discuss the origins of our current polarized environment in the 1970s, and you identify uh, several fault lines that divide Americans. What are some of the ways that America became polarized in the 1970s? 
we trace rough, roughly four big fault lines, lines of, of politics, of the political polarization, lines of racial and ethnic division, lines of economic inequality, and lines of division along issues of gender and sexuality. And it's, it's hard, as you know, to pinpoint a, a precise moment when something begins. It's not something historians do, but they really do seem to be building steam in the 70s. And it's not that there hadn't been lines of division earlier in American society, but in that post-war period, you had had forces that were pushing against uh, those lines of division. You had these kind of centripetal forces that were pushing these lines of division uh, back and, and holding the country together. So there is this time a, a general faith in the federal government, a sense that it's working and it works well for everyone. And what happens from the early 70s on is that all those old systems that had held the country together start to crumble, right? Uh, and so that starts to divide the country more and more. Uh, and underneath all of this, again, is the, the increasingly fractured media landscape. And that really starts in the 70s, but takes off in the 80s and 90s. Uh, and it's no longer a world in which everyone's starting with the same set of facts, but rather people are isolated in their own media ecosystems and they're only hearing what they want. So do you think uh, this changing media landscape in the, in the 1970s, is that just a reversion to the situation in the media environment before say, the 1920s, when there were so many partisan newspapers. It seems like in many ways, the middle of the 20th century is an exception in recent American history. Oh, absolutely. That sense of a kind of cohesive and coherent, again, mainstream media is something that really is a product of the Second World War up to uh, Vietnam. There's a brief window. We, we take it as normative now, but it really was something unique. And so you do get a reversion to that older style of partisan press, but the problem is that that idea of objectivity, that idea of kind of a neutral presentation of fact has taken root with the American public. So it's not like the earlier press in which people would, you know, oh, this is the Democratic paper. They're going to give me the Democratic line. Or this is a Whig paper. They're going to give me the Whig line. Uh, there's a sense now that um, you've got to pretend to be playing it down the middle, even though you're pitching it to a partisan mm. uh, audience in a partisan way, right? It's, and it's not that I'm going to give you the view from the left and they're going to give you the view from the right and you decide. Rather, it's, it's no, I'm telling you the truth. Those people over there are lying. Don't believe them. Right. Right. And so, and so you don't put these – it's not that you would read the Republican paper and the Democratic paper in, in conversation and try to figure out your truth between them, but rather just this one's all true, that one's all lies, right? right. And the fact that they're spreading these lies, they must be part of some conspiracy perhaps. You know, one uh, moment in recent history that we haven't talked about yet is the George W. Bush administration when there were events in the early 2000s, of course, that caused a lot of people to distrust the government, uh, the Iraq War, but also the government – response to Katrina. Mm -hmm. I know that you've written a lot about Katrina. How do you think that the government response to that disaster helped erode Americans' faith in government? I think we can even move move past to the the original conspiracy theory of the, of the Bush era. Actually, the original one is probably the the 2000 recount, but there was some that there were you know all kinds of shenanigans behind the scenes there that right. led to a lot of distrust. But then 9 11. Uh, really was something that, that inspired a lot of uh, conspiracy theories. So those two things start off the administration. Then you've got the Iraq War, which in a lot of ways resembles the Pentagon Papers' view of, of Vietnam. And then it really is Katrina that really provides a real body blow for this because Katrina pierces through the partisanship uh, like nothing else could have. What happens with Katrina is you've got people on Fox News, the network trusted by uh, the administration and its followers, 
are on the ground in New Orleans and are showing images of the chaos of a disaster. And in a way, it was someone from the emperor's own circle pointing out that the emperor had no clothes, and it really was a devastating blow to uh, to the administration because it was something that 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 you just couldn't ignore. You had to believe your own eyes uh, and 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 not and not feel that they were lying to you. So I think that was a real blow uh, to the administration's prestige. But again, another blow to the government as a whole. The federal government can't help evacuate a city. What's going on here? And I think this not only affects the discussion of current events and the coverage of current events, it's also uh, it affects history. You fight uh, battles on Twitter all the time with partisans who object to the way that uh, you're telling the history of the 1950s and 60s. Why is it so important to Republican partisans to say that Kevin Cruz, Princeton professor, author of several books, you don't know history? I'm not, I'm not sure I can answer that. It, it is a remarkable switch, though. Uh, and so one of the things that, that comes up all the time is uh, the idea that the, the, the parties have never switched, that the Republican Party has always been on the right. The Democratic Party has always been on the left. And as anyone who's sat through 10th grade U.S. history knows, that's that's nonsense. Well, did you ever imagine that you would be spending so much of your time fighting against conspiracy theories about the history of the Democratic and Republican parties? Ten years ago, I never thought that this was something that would be contested. I mean, I, just, I was writing about these Southern Democrats who were segregationists. As I'd read in hundreds, if not thousands of books, a story well told, a story well established. And now the argument is that that people have been trying to hide this history. It's interesting that you're a historian of polarization, you know, charting the, the course of polarization. And now you're finding yourself in this particular political moment trying to address one of the aspects of that. And that is a, a, a disagreement over basic facts of history. Again, I have to stress, it's it's not just me. It's, 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 it's hundreds, if not thousands, of historians on social media and writing op-eds and things like that who are doing the really hard work of pushing back uh, against this nonsense. And I think, as you say, it's not just historians who are experiencing this now, but uh, but scientists who are suddenly oh, discover, discovering that there are people who uh, are joining the Flat Earth Society. You know, at the most extreme, but uh, there are there are uh, less extreme examples of people rejecting what used to be accepted as consensus agreement that this was scientific truth. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it used to be that, uh, for better or worse, uh, that people would rely on experts. And this right. goes to, to part of that, that distrust of government. It right. used to be that, you know, if you had a problem medically, you would listen to your doctor. Uh, mm-hmm. You wouldn't then go research it on YouTube and see what some face with a video camera had to say about this. You would trust your doctor over this random stranger with a YouTube account who's telling you, no, actually, vaccines are, are bad and are part of a conspiracy. There's a, a way in which we've kind of democratized knowledge in a bad way. Mm-hmm. And that it used to be to seem like, you know, this is going to be incredible. We all have this well of information at our fingertips. The problem is that all that information is not equal. And of course, this situation is exacerbated when you have people in power who are deliberately trying to sow doubt and challenge experts of all kinds, as well as people in the media. That's right. Yeah. And I think it used to be a mutually reinforcing system, right? Mm-hmm. And the media would call on an expert to deal with an issue. And instead, you've got people who, instead of bringing the experts on, are pointing to the experts and saying, no, that's that's fake news. Uh, and it's it's gotten to the point where, again, people are refusing to believe anyone who doesn't 
confirm their pre-existing beliefs, which is a dangerous place to be. Right. You know, as as we talk here, it's occurring to me that it seems that uh, the loss of trust in government and the spread of conspiracy theories uh, in our in our current environment, it's overdetermined. I mean, there are so many factors that have fed into it. Is there a way out of this, given all of the historical factors that contribute to our current mess? No. <laughs> I mean, look, you know, I mean, as I often joke, I'm at a story, my, my training's in hindsight. It's hard for me to predict the way out. Yeah. But even looking back at the, at the past, it, it, it's hard to see a, a, way for, a way forward for this because there's, there have always been these doubts. And uh, I really do think that the, the genie's out of the bottle uh, in the current uh, information age or misinformation age we're in that uh, is going to be hard to fix. As long as there is social media, the Internet with a million different sources and a million different people claiming themselves to be experts and authorities on this, then there are audiences for those. There is enough proof out there that they've done something wrong, so why not everything? That's depressing. I have that effect. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I think I think you are fighting the good fight. Uh, people can go to your your Twitter page and look at your your threads on uh, the the real history to understand the present. That's the goal. And, and again, you know, it, and a lot of times it feels like, as I often say, it feels like I'm mopping back the ocean. But if I can just help one person get a get a foothold on reality. And that's what I can do. And I know that there are other people out there in other arenas. Climate scientists, again, are are very active on on Twitter. Doctors, too. Uh, Lots of different experts are out there um, bringing their expertise to the public. So there is – we often, and I just did, talk about, you know, kind of the – uh, social media, internet hellscape uh, as a nightmare. Uh, but there are good aspects to this, too. And, and I think it's all about uh, uh, trying to, to sort our ways through that. And the more in which um, – the worst thing I think that could happen would be for experts to, to throw up their hands and say, well, no one's listening. You know, why bother? That's the worst thing. I think we all – it's an all-hands-on-deck moment. And the more in which we can all get in there and, and lean in and, and do our little part – uh, then the, the better will will be. And again, so I'm I'm pushing the stuff I know on political history and trying to correct that that record, uh, the civil rights history. That's 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 my realm. Uh, so try to correct the facts on that. There are countless other historians doing different topics, other academics, other professionals, other scientists who are weighing in as well. That's what we need. We need to have um, voices of people who actually do know what they're talking about, uh, pushing back against those uh, who don't, because those who don't know what they're talking about are talking very loudly. Uh, And it's time for the rest of us to get involved in the conversation. On the next episode of State of Conspiracy, I talk with John Ronson, the author and filmmaker, to talk about his adventures with extremist Alex Jones and the psychology behind conspiracy theories. State of Conspiracy is produced by Caroline Reston and Elisa Gutierrez. Our engineers this week were Kyle Seglin, Noel Fernandez, and Genevieve Bowman. It's Daniel Carissimi. Save big money on everything. Now at Menards. Make quick work of your outdoor cleaning project with Master Force Outdoor and Landscaping Tools. The 80-volt cordless trimmer is powerful, efficient, and hassle-free. So you spend less time working on your yard and more time enjoying the results. On sale now through May 19th. Check out our wide selection of Master Force tools and see the rest of our deals on Menards.com. Save big money.